One of the hardest parts of parenting for me is allowing my children to make mistakes. I remember reading something about this little boy who saw the caterpillar had went into the cocoon and it was about to become a butterfly and it was struggling to get out of the cocoon. And the little boy saw it and he was just, oh, I have to help it, I have to. And so he helped it get out of the cocoon. And then once the butterfly was free, it couldn't fly because it didn't have the strength Oh. You know, the of the cocoon is what helps to strengthen its wings so that it can fly. Welcome to Dad Splaining, a weekly chronicle of all the weirdest, messiest, grossest, and funniest parts of fatherhood hosted by two first-time dads. I'm Jesse, and my wonderful co-host Brandon is not with us today. He's getting some rest, and he will be back with us next week. But I've got a lot of fun for you today. I am going to be talking with author Patrice McLaurin. She is the author of three fantastic children's books. We're going to have a lot to talk about, and you're not going to want to miss it. Before we get started, if you have a question for Dad's Planning, if you'd like to connect with us, if you'd like to submit things you'd like for us to talk about, or if you'd like to come on the show yourself, you can connect with us. Dad's Planning is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Dad's Planning, a fatherhood podcast. You can join our Facebook group, Dad's Planning, a parenting group, and you can find our blog on Medium, medium.com. Just search Dad's Planning. Brandon has been carefully taking care of that side project for us, and we're really excited about it. Lastly, you can reach us at dadsplainingpodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to reach out the old-fashioned way. Uh, one last note before we get started, if you've been enjoying the podcast, we would greatly appreciate you if you could leave us a little review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. It only takes a few seconds, and it is a really great way to help us extend our reach. It helps us more than you know. So we appreciate you. We appreciate everyone who's been listening to us for the past couple of years and we are excited to take you along for the ride as we grow we are going to get right into today's interview i'm not going to waste any time today we are joined by author and an old friend of mine patrice mclaurin patrice how are you doing today i am well jesse how are you I am doing great. It is wonderful yeah. to see your face virtually over Zoom. Uh, yeah. Patrice, actually, side note, the, the two of us worked together years ago at another company before I was uh, where I am now at Cox Media Group. And uh, I am, I've am i been so excited to follow your story, Patrice, over the years as you've been growing as an author and publishing and getting all kinds of like press and reading your book to these kids everywhere and it's it's a really cool thing to see and i'm really glad that you made some time to uh to talk with me today um so thank you for having me jesse i appreciate it of course so patrice is the author of three fantastic children's books have you thanked an inventor today have you thanked a kid inventor today i love the title of that one and i am because i choose now patrice is also a mother patrice to start us off today can you tell us a little bit about your family so um I'm a mom and a wife, um, have a husband, two children. My oldest is 22. She just recently graduated from college. And my youngest is 17. He is due to graduate from high school this year. So yeah, I'm a mom. I'm a, a, a old lady, Jesse. I'm moving on <laughs> up there. Um, fun fact, actually, uh, my book, Have You Thanked an Inventor Today? I think I got a copy of it here. Uh, just a fun fact, the, the guy on the cover is actually based upon an image of my son. So Aww. Yeah, so you know that's it. Really, no bells and whistles. Um, we actually uh, we're implants here. We're not originally from Georgia, 
Um, I'm from Bessemer, Alabama. That's a city that's right outside of Birmingham. My husband is from Chicago. We met in college, um, got married, moved to Birmingham, um, and then eventually migrated over here to Georgia. So that's my story. I love it. And uh, being the mom of two kids, uh, especially in the early days, I'm sure you did a lot of reading to them. And I'm just curious, because as an author now, looking back, were there any books that you were reading to your kids that maybe inspired you or any that you maybe found lacking, you know, in something that you wanted to go out there and create? Like, what that is already out there kind of led to the kind of stories that you have grown to tell? That's an awesome question. So I was actually, I began, you know, teetering with the idea of becoming the children's book author. Like, I think it was around 2012. I um, was an active parent in my children's school, right? Um, One of the things that I would do is I would go and read weekly, uh, specifically to my son's class. When he was in elementary school, I would read to the class weekly. I did that for a couple of years. And there were two books that I happened upon that I fell in love with. They were written by the author Julius Lester, right? One was called Why is Heaven So Far Away? The other one is called What a Truly Cool World, right? I fell in love with these books. I loved everything about them. I loved the theme. I loved the writing style. I loved the illustrations. I loved everything about them. And after reading these two books, those two books in particular, lit a spark in me that said, hey, you might want to be a children's book author. With regards to the question of what was lacking, I was a character education coordinator for about five or six years where I would go into the schools and I would teach character education curriculum, right? One of my favorite lessons to teach was about choices and decision making. And I love to incorporate literature with my lessons, but I never found a book that I really liked regarding making good choices. And I'm sure there were some out there. I just didn't see it. I just didn't happen upon it. So when I became a children's book author, in fact, when I began teetering with the idea of becoming a children's book author and I started writing my little manuscripts in the beginning, the first manuscript I wrote was I Am Because I Choose, right? But I didn't release that book until 2019. But that was actually one of the books. That was one of my very first manuscripts that I wrote back in maybe 2012, 2013, when I first began teetering with this idea. So that was a great question. Yes, there was a book called Nappy Hair that I loved reading to my children and with my children because it was like a call and answer type book. And I absolutely loved that one. So yeah, there were a few books that really inspired me, but those two in particular by Julius Lester, those were the ones that lit a spark under me that said, you want to be a children's book author. I I never even considered it until I read those books. So yes. I love that. Okay. And I was actually going to save your third book for last, but I want to jump right into it because you've just revealed that it was the first manuscript that you wrote. So one thing that kind of rings a chord with me as a dad of a young child, uh, my son is three years old, is that, you know, at that early childhood age, they're learning to make choices on their own and that, you know, they don't have to rely on mom and dad to provide everything for them and they can like ask for things and they can get things themselves mm-hmm. and they can learn, you know, to make choices, good and bad choices. And I think that, like you said, that's something that you don't see a lot of stories 
that are specifically about that, about like mm -hmm. teaching a kid, like, Hey, you can make a choice to do one thing or to do another thing. And, you know, there's consequences to it, but that's, what's so awesome is that you have that autonomy. And I think kids are craving that at such an early age. So tell me, why did you want to write a book like this? And what, what message are you trying to drive home with the kids that are reading it? So I wanted to, again, I wanted to write a book like this because I didn't see one out there, but the, the greatest message that I want to drive home to children and to people like to the parents that are even reading the book with their children or to their children is the fact that we get to choose our behavior, right? We get to choose how we behave. And that is a superpower because no one can make your choice for you, but you, right? I can influence your choice. I can guide your choice, but I cannot choose for you, Jesse. You have to choose, right? And I feel like as the earlier that our children learn about self-accountability and ownership, the better decision makers that they're going to be, right? One of my favorite MCs, his name is KRS-One. Um, he wrote a book called Ruminations, and I'm aging myself. KRS-One from BDP, uh -huh. right? I'm aging myself, but yeah. One of my favorite, he's one of my favorite MCs, and he wrote this book called Ruminations. And in the book, he gave me this beautiful acronym for blame. And he said, it's easy to blame other people for what it is that you choose to do because, and of course, that's the B, because looking, and that's the L, so y'all just follow along with me, right? Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. easy to blame because looking at me ain't easy, Right? It's easy to look at everybody else and blame everybody else for what it is that you choose to do, but you will never be able to make those corrections in a real and succinct way until you begin to analyze yourself, until you begin to consider what you did to contribute to the issue. Because at the end of the day, the only person who you can control is yourself. You can't control other people. And you'll learn it, Jesse. You're probably going through it now because you have two right now. You wait until they start blaming one another. Well, he hit me first. I had to hit him back. Or, well, you know, I, I used to be in the classroom and I'm like, why are you talking? Well, I had to answer because they asked me if they could borrow my pencil. And I had to tell them, no, Miss Patrice said we're not supposed to be talking. I had to do it. No, you didn't. You did not have to. You chose to. So mm -hmm. again. The earlier that we could get children to understand that concept that you choose, the better decision makers they're going to be. So that is the greater message behind the book. I love that. I, I and I've always been of uh, I've always said that good ideas tend to sustain and repeat themselves throughout the ages, and that takes me back to you know why are you looking at the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye when you've got a log yeah. in your own eye? That just kind of it's the same lines. Like be responsible for yourself, learn to make your own choices, and it's a really empowering message when you think about it, yeah. especially for a kid that age that isn't used to knowing that they can make choices. You know that yeah. things. That, that their life is in someone else's hands and, mm -hmm. you know, come to find out, no, it's in my hands. I can actually do the things I want to do. And then over time, figure out like what those consequences are and how to get the best outcome from the choices that you make. I, I just, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, of that, of that book and that message for sure. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Okay. So I want to go now to the first book you published, which is have you thanked an inventor today? Mm -hmm. um, the book, 
uh, for the listeners of the book, Have You Thanked an Inventor Today, takes us through a child's day and it tells us about inventors at every point in that child's day that makes that certain thing possible. Like he's sharpening his pencil. Well, here's who invented the pencil sharpener. You know, you're making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Well, here's who popularized the use of peanut butter, that kind of thing. And you picked, I mean, some inventors that I'd heard of, some that I had honestly never heard of. So I want to know, why did you want to write a book about inventors for kids? And why did you choose the ones that are in the book? Okay, so interestingly enough, and I get this question often, interestingly enough, I decided to write a book about inventors based upon a clip that I heard from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It's crazy mm -hmm. to tie those two together, right? But this is my story. So I don't, and I've been trying to find this clip, Jesse, I cannot for nothing in the world. I, sometimes I wonder if I dreamed it, right? <laughs> but I remember hearing Dr. King say on this clip, it wasn't a speech, it was a clip. And he said, we utilize the genius of a black man's mind during the first 15, 20 minutes of our day, and we don't even realize it, right? And when I heard that, it just resonated with me in such an empowering way because I knew that black people were inventors and I knew that we had invented a lot of stuff, but it never resonated with me how we're utilizing the genius of a black mind during the first 15, 20 minutes. Like this is how we're functioning right off of black genius. You get up in the morning, you hit your alarm clock, you flick your light switch, you go to your refrigerator, you start your ignition in your car, you're stopping at the stoplight. We're doing all of this stuff on the strength of black genius, right? So it amplified my self-esteem, no doubt. Now, one thing that I've always done is I've worked in some capacity with young people, particularly black young people, right? In some, be it mentoring, be it um, volunteering, be it working as a character education coordinator. I even taught sex education once, right? Anything that I could do to get into the face of young people, I did that. So after I got this information, of course, I had to share it with all of the young people who I encountered, right? And every time I shared that information, I just saw their eyes just widen and, and brighten with just awe and amazement at this knowledge, at this new knowing of the capacity of Black genius, right? So when it came time for me to write a book, writing a book about inventors were, for me was like a no-brainer because in actuality, I had already done the field research without uh -huh. even realizing that I had done the field research, right? I had already done it. So then with regards to which inventions I wanted to include, well, of course, I wanted to include inventions that children could connect with, right? I mean, I, I, I wanted to include those things that they could connect with because I wanted them to have that self-to-text connection with the book. And then also, I felt like if it was inventions that they could connect with, it would be easier for them to retain the information, right? Because these are things that they care about. You know, a kid is not going to care about... I don't even know, I'm trying to think of something. Like a fax machine or something. A fax machine, yeah, or who invented a paper shredder. They're like, mm -hmm. I don't care. But when you're telling me who invented the pencil sharpener, well, that's something that I use nine months out of the year. Or you're mm -hmm. telling me who invented the lunchbox, well, I use that all the time, or at least I've seen it before, you know. I mean, so it's those types of things. I wanted the children to be able to make those connections so that they could easily retain the information. 
I love that. And that's actually, you hit on something I was going to ask later on, but I'll introduce the theme now. The idea of representation in, uh, especially for children. So, I mean, it's a common sense thing, but early, early childhood education experts will tell you that it's important for a kid to read a story and relate to the characters that they're reading about. So for young black readers to pick up a book and see all of these great role models that are black inventors and that they can connect to and say, okay, I could see myself doing something like that one day. That's, I mean, that's extremely important. And I'm guessing yeah. that that had to be a factor. Definitely. It was so intentional, Jesse, that was so intentional. It was also intentional that the protagonist, I mean, um, he doesn't have a name or anything, but he's the main character. And it was intentional that he was a little black boy, right? Because representation for little black boys is lacking, right? You know, when we consider representation, like the latest statistics tell us that of the children's books that are written, I think about 11% are written about black children, right? So then of those 11% that's written about black children, you have less than 50% that are written by black people. So now this begs the question of who's creating the narrative for black people? You know what I'm saying? And this is a very legitimate question, particularly when you consider the fact that a lot of the books that our children are reading, that our, all children are reading, to include Black children about Black people, are based in trauma and oppression, right? So now, what this does is, this sets up an inferiority complex in the mind of the Black kid, right? and simultaneously creates a superiority complex in the mind of the white kid, right? Mm. So now what we're doing is we're introducing this concept of inequity in the schoolhouse, right? And we're continuing to perpetuate it. And we wonder why we can't break this cycle, why we can't break this mold. So it was extremely intentional for me to make sure that the characters that I incorporated in the book, that the main character was a little black boy and that these inventors were all black, right? Because yep. I need all people to recognize the genius of black folks, right? All mm -hmm. people need to recognize the genius of black folk. Because at the end of the day, a children's book is quite often a child's first introduction to an outside world, right? We know mommy and daddy and grandma and granddaddy and everything that happens in our little bubble. But what's going on in the outside, outside of these walls, you know, a children's book really kind of introduces kids to that. So if that's going to be a child's first introduction to an outside world, don't we want it to be an equitable introduction? Right. Don't we want mm -hmm. all people to be demonstrated in a light that is uplifting and empowering because at the end of the day when you look at me i don't want you to look at me and feel sorry for me i don't mm -hmm. want you to look at me and say oh look at patrice poor little black girl whose ancestors were slaves and they got whipped with hoses and poor 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 little girl right i need you to look at me and say yo look at patrice i respect her i respect her gangster i respect what her people were able to accomplish in spite of. Mm -hmm. I respect the strength, you know what I'm saying? And the grit and the fortitude that it took for her folks to come up out of that and for them to still be able to invent and produce and create things that help to make our world a better place. Oh, yeah. 
I, I love it. I love it. And that's, I mean, that's something that I've heard and read before. And I think it's so true. And I think you totally succeeded in that. And I, I think that there is, it's hard to find because representation, there's a reason that you're having to do this is because it's lacking in certain areas. But every once in a while, you see a story come up that hits that note, you know, off topic. But I think of the little boys and girls coming out of watching Black Panther on the big screen a few years ago and being so excited to see a superhero that looked like yeah. that. And, um, yeah. and I'll go into comic book nerd stuff another time. <laughs> um, but I think it's important. And I think it's really cool that you did that. And I want to connect that to you address representation in a different way in your second book, which is Have You Thanked a Kid Venture Today, which there was a lot of surprises in this book for me uh -huh. because, I mean, I didn't know that a lot of these uh, these concepts were worked on by kids, you know, yeah. just addressing problems in their lives. So tell me a little bit about this book. What are some of the stories that you tell in Kid Venture and like, where did you get the idea to do this? So I got the idea to do it basically just as a follow-up to Thank an Inventor because here's a fun fact. I had no clue that Thank an Inventor was a STEM book, right? Uh -huh. Absolutely no clue. Did not write the book saying, oh, I'm going to write a STEM book, right? I wrote the book for a number of reasons, primarily to introduce a piece of media that humanized Black boys. That was the mm -hmm the undercurrent, right, of all of that. I wanted to humanize Black boys, but I found out it was a STEM book, Jesse. My husband told me, he said, you ever Googled your name? And this was after I published the book. But, you know, I'm still in the beginning stages of it. I'm like, no, why would I Google yeah. my name? Who am I? He was like, you need to Google your name, girl. So I Googled my name, and lo and behold, I see a link that says Microsoft has recognized my book as a book that inspires STEM. And I'm like, whoa. Boy, yeah. I had to click. I'm like, is this serious? I had another friend of mine look into it. She's like, yeah, this is serious. So this is how I found out that the book was a STEM book. So now that I know that STEM is a thing, right? And mm -hmm. now that I am this children's book author and I'm going around and I'm visiting different schools and I'm talking to teachers and I'm seeing how they're really trying to find a way to get kids interested in STEM. So, again, mm -hmm. to me, what's the best way to do that? The best way to do that is to allow kids to see themselves reflected. Right. Allow kids to make that self to text connection. Allow kids to know that I can be an inventor, too. See, look such and such invented the popsicle and such and such invented the earmuffs right so it's like we can invent we can put our big old beautiful brains to work we can come up with something awesome and we're not too young to do that so that was really the motivation behind that book was just to provide a book that would help educators help students get excited about stem Oh man, I, uh, I love that. Well, it's just it's a, it's a story that's so universally applicable and relatable because every kid at one point or another in their life has put a few things together in a jar, mixed it together and said, "Hey, I've invented a new thing. I've made a mm -hmm. potion or, you know, I've put my toys together in a unique way or I've figured out a cool way to turn off my alarm clock every morning without getting out of bed. You know, I mean, kids are just naturally creative and they're naturally problem solvers, but so much of it is wrapped up in play, which is super important, but often they don't realize that they're actually using that part of their brain to make something that could be useful to other people. 
Yeah. And that's what was so exciting looking at that book to me is like, man, I know I was doing stuff kind of like that as a kid. But if someone had looked at that and told me, hey, Jesse, that could be an invention. Like you could patent that and sell it and all kinds right. of stuff. I mean, who knows what I would have done with that? And that's not something that is very often told to kids when they're right. just in the act of play. So I think that's really cool. And all three of your books are like this, but it's the kind of story that works really well if a kid is reading it to themselves, but it also works really well if a parent or a teacher is reading it to the kids. And that's something that uh, a lot of parents that are in my phase of life right now with a child that's anywhere between zero and four years old is you're reading them a bedtime story every night. Mm -hmm. You're reading them multiple books throughout the day just to try and get them to sit down and listen. And to find a, a good book for them to make a connection to, it's hard to do sometimes, but it's important. So uh, as an author, but also as a parent who has been through that, why do you think it's important for parents to take the time to read stories to their kids and to find stories that are interesting for the kids? Honestly, I just think that's one of the easiest ways to rear a lifelong learner is to just model that behavior. That's really one of the easiest ways to do that. They're seeing you read, right? And then allow them to see you reading when you're not reading to them. Like you're just reading for play, you know, but I think it's just important. First of all, you're creating a connection with your kid. You know what I'm saying? And I loved, I absolutely loved story time with mm -hmm. my children. That was one of my favorite times of day. It was one of my favorite experiences. And I look at my kids now, not the 17 year old because he's in his own little world <laughs> right now. But I look at my daughter and I see how she's still a reader. I know that they're going to have that little phase where they just don't care about anything but girls and looking cute and all of this stuff, right, with my son. But he'll mm -hmm. hop back into it. And I know he will because I see it with my daughter. And again, I just feel like if you're reading with your kid, not only are you creating this bond, not only are you creating this connection, not only are you sharing information with them that you can sit and analyze and help to break down and answer any questions that they may have, but you're modeling a behavior. And that's just one of the easiest ways to get a kid to do what you want them to do. Children, and James Baldwin, he said it way more eloquently than this, but basically he said something to the effect of, kids might not always do what you say, but they'll most assuredly almost always do what you do, mm -hmm. right? So if you're modeling this behavior, you're kind of almost guaranteeing to create a lifelong learner because you're creating a lifelong reader. So, yeah, it's to me, it's like, OK, it's a no brainer. You read this. That's light work, right? That, <laughs> that's one of the easiest ways to get your kid to pick up a book. So, yeah. I love it. Okay. Um, so Patrice, I'm going to close this out with, uh, this is a question I ask every guest who comes on the show, whether they're an author or a coach or something like that. So as a parent, you can give me one of two answers to this question. One, uh, what is the best piece of parenting advice you ever got? And it could be about reading, but it could be about anything. Or uh, if you'd rather answer it this way, what is one thing you wish someone had told you at the very beginning of the parenting journey? Okay, so I think I'll I'll answer the piece of parenting advice. I don't know if you're familiar with um, Khalil Gibran. He wrote this book called The Prophet, right? So he has a section. He's giving you all kinds of um, little prophecies and not prophecies, but parables and so on and so forth, right? So 
Um, he has one where he's talking about children. And I remember reading it and it just kind of resonated with me. He was like, okay, your kids, they're from you, but they're not yours. Basically, they don't belong to you, right? It's like you give birth to them, but they don't belong to you. They're your their own individuals. It's like you can love them and you can give them your love, but you can't give them your thoughts because they have their own thoughts. You can house their bodies, but you can't house their souls, you know, because they're their own individuals. You can try to be like them, but don't try to make them be like you. Right. Because time doesn't move backwards. It moves forward, you know. And I remember him saying something like the parent is like the bow, like the archer's bow. Right. And the kid is like the arrow. So you're putting the arrow in the bow and you're guiding it and you're doing all of this good stuff. But once it flies, it's on its own and you can no longer control it. Right. So to me, that was kind of some of the best parenting information that I ever I ever got because it helped me to be a little less possessive over my children and allow mm -hmm. them to become their own person. Yeah. Um, I've always encouraged independent thinking. I've always encouraged strategic thinking. I've always encouraged my children to just be individuals. You know what I'm saying? But we have to remember that just like we all have purpose or um, what do they call it in soul spark? I think it was. Yeah. Spark. Uh -huh. Just like we have our spark, they have theirs. And the best thing that we can do for our children is advise them. We can guide them, but they have to choose. And then once they choose, they have to be responsible for the consequences of that choice, right? We can't always bail them out. It's like I remember reading something about a caterpillar, about this, this little boy who saw the caterpillar had went into the cocoon and it was about to become a butterfly and it was struggling to get out of the cocoon. And the little boy saw it and he was just, oh, oh, I have to help it. I have to. And so he helped it get out of the cocoon. And then once the butterfly was free, it couldn't fly because it didn't have the strength. You know, oh. of the cocoon is what helped to strengthen its wings so that it can fly. Right. So one of the hardest parts of parenting for me is allowing my children to make mistakes and oh to try and turn a blind eye to it and just allow them to make mistakes. And then an honorable mention, uh -huh. my brother-in-law, try three before you try me. Do not come and ask me how to do anything unless you've tried it at least three times. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to use that. Yes. You tried three before you try me. Have you tried it three times? Now, I, yeah, he gave me that one and I, I use that. I still do. Try three oh before my God. you. I'm aware. Did you try three? Try three uh -huh. before you try me. Yes. Oh man. That's a game changer. That's fantastic. <laughs> Wow. I love it. Okay. So Patrice, we've reached the end of our time today. I appreciate so much everything that you've told us today. And I hope our listeners are excited about the books you've uh, written. I know I am. Uh, I'm going to give you guys some links in the show notes, y'all, where you can find the books yourselves. And that is my last question for you, Patrice, is where can we find what you've written and how can we keep up with you and follow along with what you're doing? So you can find where I've, what I've written anywhere that books are sold. Um, you could go to my website, patricemclaurin.com. 
um, Amazon.com, Books a Million, Barnes and Noble. Um, yeah, anywhere really that books are sold, you can find my books. Following me on Instagram, I really appreciate it. Y'all, I'm trying to level up with my social media, right? So, it's hard. It, oh, gosh. Oh, you know, I didn't even, yeah, I, I didn't even get on social media until I got into this author scene, like before then, was never on it, right? So my Instagram mm -hmm. is at Patrice McLaurin. My Twitter is at McLaurin Writes. And my Facebook is Thank an Inventor. Mm -hmm. And again, my website, patricemclaurin.com. patricemclaurin.com. Those mm -hmm. links, folks, are going to be in the show notes for you. Is there anything coming up? Anything on the horizon? Any new stories that you're uh, thinking about, working on? Ooh, I got something that I just sent to the editor. And, oh. Um, oh, yeah. She just chopped it to pieces. So I gotta, <laughs> I've heard that happen. Because I'm looking at it like, I think the entire concept is about to change. So, but yeah, I got something that I just sent to the editor. She just sent it back to me. So I have to put my little, dot my eyes and cross my T's and send it back to her. And yeah, so I'm hoping to have that out by this summer, but I'm also hoping to have an activity book published by this summer that okay. um, correlates with the Thinking Inventor series. Um, so I'll have two, I'm hoping to have two. Hoping to have one that correlates with Thinking Inventor. And then I'm hoping to have another one that correlates with I Am Because I Choose. So look for those this summer also. And in the meantime, if anyone out there has any of my books, you guys can go to my website and I have free lesson plans and all of that good stuff to just kind of supplement the books. So feel free to do that also. That is so cool. Once again, folks, the links are going to be in the show notes for all of those things. Uh, Patrice, I just I got to say, like, as an old friend, it was really cool getting to know you while we worked together. But now to see like who you are as an author and like the voice that was inside you the whole time, but also like the craft and the way that you you put some thought and some work into these books and it shows and it's just it's really awesome. I'm very proud of everything you're doing. I'm very excited. And I know that our listeners are going to be very excited, too. And uh, I just I, I just want to say thank you so much. Best of luck with all of the new stuff on the horizon. And I can't wait to see where it takes you next. Thank you. I appreciate you, Jesse. Thank you guys for having me. So, folks, that'll do it for this week's episode of Dad's Planning. Once again, I want to thank Patrice McLaurin for joining us on the show. Please keep an eye out for her books uh, at your local library, your local bookstore, on her website, patricemclaurin.com, or wherever books are sold. They are fantastic, beautifully illustrated, very fun, very easy and quick reads for your kids. I think it's something that any parent would really enjoy reading to their children. Next week, Brandon is going to be back with us, and we might have some surprises in store for you. I'm not sure yet. We will talk and come back to you next week with a new episode. But in between now and then, if you'd like to connect with Dadsplaining, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to search Dadsplaining. You can join our Facebook group, Dadsplaining, a parenting group to swap memes, ask questions, gripe about your kids, brag about your kids, or anything else you'd like to talk about with parents in a similar phase of life. We would love to have you. And if you would be so kind, please leave us a rating and a review on your preferred podcasting platform, be it Apple Podcasts or whatever else that you listen to us on. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Dad's Planning, a Fatherhood Podcast. And until next time, I'm Jesse. And did you know that a kangaroo can jump higher than a house? Yeah, because houses can't jump. That one's a thinker.
All right, folks, we'll see you next time. The advice and opinions expressed on Dadsplaining are solely those of its hosts and guests and should not be substituted for the advice of professionals. If you have a serious concern about the health or development of your child, please consult with your pediatrician. If you're experiencing an emergency, please call 911. Don't listen to us. We're really just good for dad jokes. If you're enjoying Dadsplaining, you might enjoy this other podcast from our friends here at WSB Radio. Hello, friends. This is Jared Yamamoto from The Power Pod, and we are a weekly recap show where we cover the current events of the week. And of course, during these times, COVID-19 is on everybody's mind. We will cover the good, the bad, and the ugly regarding this crisis. We will be serious with the coronavirus, but we will also find ways to have fun with it as well. So be sure to check us out Saturdays from 11 to noon and Sunday mornings from 9 to 11 on 98.7 FM and AM 1340 WGAU or grab the Power Pod podcast on any of your favorite podcast providers or your favorite smart speaker.